All right, good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Good to see you, good to be with you again on this Sunday morning. And if you were with me last week, you know that we started a little two-part series on living your best life now. So I think there's two basic components, two basic elements that comprise um, living the best life that you can live now. And I certainly think Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. There's nothing wrong with exploring. There's nothing wrong with uh, diving deep into what really constitutes living your best life now. So last week we talked about the first of the two components and I want to finish that up this morning. So if we're going to if we're going to live our best life now then we're going to have to come to the realization that our life basically is the result of the choices we made and I talked about that last week. The choices that we make through the mind of Christ that we fully possess actually writes the script for your life. So last week I took a lot of time and I, I, I really, it was as thorough as I could be in 45 minutes in getting you to understand that the mind of Christ is the mind that should be making the decisions that help you to live the best life now. So I covered that last week. This morning I want to talk about uh, feeding into that mind of Christ through hearing the voice of the Father. I think that's the second component. We need to learn to hear the voice of the Father for our, ourself. Choices that write the script should come from the intimate conversation that you have with the Father. So we're looking at two things here. If you live, are to live your best life now, first of all, you have to realize that your life, take responsibility for it, your life is the result of your choices and decisions. All of our lives basically get down to that. So we want to make choices that are directed by the mind of Christ, which we fully possess. The mind of Christ should be fed the voice of the Father that comes through your time that you spend with the Father. So let's start over in John chapter 10 this morning. We're just gonna start very, very fundamentally in this, and then I wanna get into, into hearing the voice of the Father for yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 10, and that's a, that's a phenomenal chapter. We, we hit that 10th verse last week where Jesus said, I've come that you, you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Uh, and so he goes on to say in John chapter 10, if I can get over there, John chapter 10, verse 27 and verse 28, he said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Now understand we're not sheep. We're sons, we're daughters, but I think the truth is still relevant. The sons and the daughters hear his voice. People say to me all the time, I just don't hear God for myself. He said you do. You say, well, I don't feel like I do. He said his sons, his daughters hear his voice and they know me and they follow me. And then in verse 28, he says, and I give them eternal life. Man, we could sit on that verse all morning long. I give them. It's a gift. It's bestowed on them. It comes by grace. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Oh, I love that. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. I really want to just center upon that 27th verse, although I'm tempted right now to take off on a rabbit trail on verse 28 and him giving us eternal life because that is the best life. You don't have to die to enjoy eternal life. You enter into eternal life now. You are an eternal spirit. You are an eternal being that will never die. Jesus said, those that live and believe in me will never die. That's you. You suffered your death one time. You were crucified with Christ. You were brought to newness of life through the resurrection. So as sons and daughters, I want you to know, my thesis this morning is very simple. My sermon is, in a sentence is very simple. My sermon this morning, my teaching this morning is every son, every manifesting son slash manifesting daughter has the right, has the absolute privilege to hear the Father for themselves. And yet many people, as I said a minute ago, many people just feel like they don't. They don't hear God from themselves. They have no confidence in their ability to hear the Father for daily direction, for choices, um, for knowing what to do in any particular time. And so this morning, I hope when I finished, if you stay with me to the end, don't click me off. If you click off, come back and hear the rest of it. 
when I'm finished this morning, I, I hope that I have eliminated any doubt that you have that you can hear the voice for the Father yourself. I'm going to show you exactly how to do it. This is going to be very practical, very practical. When I'm done this morning, I hope that you leave a comment that never again will you doubt hearing the voice of the Father. You're able to tap into it. You're able to pull upon it anytime that you need it. I don't think, I think this is a fair statement. I don't think we can manifest as sons. I don't think we can manifest as daughters without becoming acquainted and having the evidence or the fruit that we hear the Father for ourselves. And I'm really emphasizing hearing him for yourself. So let's look at what Jesus had to say about this. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to look at quite a bit of scripture this morning like I usually do because uh, I just think it opens up our consciousness, opens up our, our ability to think and to, and to sense what the Father is saying to us. Matthew chapter 7. Let me read verses 15 to 20. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. We've all encountered that before in religion. He said, You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Question mark. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That doesn't mean it's thrown into hell. It means it's thrown into a process of purification. Our God is a consuming fire. Fire in scripture is an agent of purging. It's not, it's not a punishment. It's a purging. We got to get this thing right. We want to bear good fruit. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the wolf that comes in sheep's clothing. I'm not going to spend time on false prophets. Suffice it to say that many of us have been duped by them. Many of us have been taught that we can't hear God for ourselves, but they do hear God. So we need to listen to them. Isn't that the storyline that we've, we've even uh, subconsciously been delivered? We've, we've been subconsciously delivered that message, if not, if not verbally that they're the ones that have the pipeline to the Father. They're the ones that hear God uh, distinctly and directly for themselves. And we just are, you know, we're peons. We, we can't hear for ourselves. Uh, they've got the title. They've got the education. They've got the experience. They've got the authority. And we have nothing. So therefore, the message has been, um, again, consciously, subconsciously. But it's what we have felt going to church every Sunday that they're the ones that hear God. This is a very Old Testament concept. This is very much of the, the, the priest going into the Holy Holies, hearing what God says, come back out and tell the people, or Moses going to the top of the mountain, coming back down the mountain with the laws, telling the people what God said. That was the people's wish, so God fulfilled it. So the, the message is we better be accountable. We better let them cover us. And if we don't go along to get along, that we're in rebellion. Have you ever been told that in church? That if you don't believe what you're being told, if you don't go along with the program, they know what God's direction is, they know the will of God, they know the plan of God, they hear the voice of God, and you don't. So therefore, you better listen to them and go along. That's hogwash. That's absolutely insane. I'm amazed at how many people have become comfortable just sitting there and letting the put this in air quotes, let the experts tell them what to do. They're happy to let Moses go to the top of the mountain, come back down and say, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God is saying. That's the deception of the whole system. That's the deception that we were brought up in. And many are part of that system and they've never been awakened to truth. They, they don't know that they are deceived. And I'm not speaking of just the people that sit there week after week. They've just been lulled into complicity. I'm talking about the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, those that, those that have a responsibility. It, it, the thing about deception is you don't know you're deceived. 
You don't know you're deceived. So you can spend years and years and years uh, walking down a, a, a road that is absolutely wrong, but it's been so implanted in us that we just don't question it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a decision this morning with me. I want you to make a decision to take responsibility for yourself. Can you do that? Can we all at the digital cathedral? If you if you are in here week after week, I never tell you that you have to believe what I tell you. You need to get it for yourself. So if you show up to the digital cathedral and you don't like what you hear, there's a lot of online ministries you can go to. I, I know that what I teach is not for everybody. I, I fully admit that. I, I confess it. I call it as I see it. I teach it as it's revealed. But you're the one that ultimately has responsibility. And I would never take that responsibility away from you and tell you that you have to listen to what I say as the expert. Have I gone to school? Yeah, I've gone to school. Have I a lot of experience? I think I have a lot of experience. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't make me a person that can tell you, for you, what God is saying. We talked about choices last week. You have to come to a place in your life if you want to live the abundant life. You want to live the best life possible. You have to come to a place where you understand that your life is guided by the choices that you make for you. It's not guided by the choices I make for you. So this morning we're all going to make a decision. We're making a decision that we're taking responsibility to hear the voice of God for ourselves. Now I'm going to tell you how to hear the voice of God for yourself. You can discern if it's right. You can discern if it's wrong. If it resonates, then pick it up and run with it. But I, I think that when I'm done this morning, everyone that comes to the digital cathedral is going to be in a position to say, I know that I know that I know I hear him for myself. I can make choices. I can make decisions. I can live a life that is charted out by the Spirit of God that lives within me because I hear him distinctly. All right, let me come back to a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 17, or Matthew chapter 7. Let me read verses 17 and 18 again. Verse 17, he said, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. That means there's evidence that the tree's working. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, when he talks about trees, the tree in Scripture is just a metaphor for a life. So what he's talking about here, he's saying that a good life will bear good fruit, a bad life will bear bad fruit. A life that is misdirected, a life that is in deception cannot bear good fruit, nor can a life that is plugged in to the voice of God that makes good choices based on the mind of Christ that feeds us, can it, it cannot bear bad fruit. So he said, I just want you to understand that he's not talking about apple trees and pear, pear trees. He's using it as a metaphor. And he, he does it throughout Scripture. Let me, let me give you one more quick example. In Psalm chapter 1, very, very first Psalm, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3. Doggone it, I need to get over there a little quicker. I don't like to leave you hanging as I turn to Scriptures because I know if you don't have your Bible, it's a, it's a long period. All right, look what he says, verse 3. He shall be like a tree. This blessed man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, the one who has a delight in the word of God, the word that God speaks to him, he will be like a tree. So he's using the analogy, the life is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In other words, you're, you're pulling in good nutrients. You're pulling in, this is the river of life, man. This is, this is what you want to tap into for the abundant life. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, good fruit. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's good fruit. And over, I'm not going to take time to read it, but in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, he uses the analogy again of lives like trees. It's, it's, a, it's a great, great analogy. So in Matthew chapter 17, verse 17 and 18, he says, a good life will bear good fruit. The word for fruit is the word karpas. Karpas. It means the product of a partnership of being in union with Christ. So what is produced out of this union that we have with Christ, this oneness, this seamless union, 
And I, I tell you, I've been really fishing for words that that can describe the oneness in this in this union we have. Because it seems like whenever we say distinction or we use other words, when you get down to it, there's still a separation. There is no separation. What comes out of this seamless union, I think I picked that up from Francois de Toy in the Mirror Bible, the seamless union, there's, there's no distinction, there's no difference, one essence. This, this tree and the fruit that it bears, one essence. You can't get pears from an from a, from a apple tree. All right? So the fruit, the karpas, should be the product of partnership, of being in union with Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a product that comes from Christ consciousness. There's no way you can function in Christ consciousness if you're not hearing the voice of the Father for yourself. I can't grow fruit for you. You can look at my life and judge the fruit that I have, but I cannot grow fruit for you. Jesus said, you'll know a life by what it produces. Very simple. You'll know a life by, what it, by the evidence that it has of the union that it has with Christ, not by gifts. You cannot tell a life by the gifts. There's a lot of people that flow in gifts that have a life that is poor in character. A long time ago, I learned that anointing is not an endorsement of character. See, you'll know them not by their gifts. You'll know them not by their works. See, gifts you hang on a tree. The works are things that we produce by our own effort. But the fruit that comes from hearing the voice of the Father for yourself and the choices that you make, that fruit grows effortlessly. It's just a natural production. It's as natural as natural can be. The best illustration, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Whatever the vine is, the branch will produce. But the branch has got to be in connection with the vine for itself. I cannot, I cannot be your vine connection. I cannot be the branch that connects to the vine for you. So I'm encouraging you this morning to come to a place where you say, look, it's not what the pastor says, not what the prophet has given me a word. That's not, that's not what's going to sustain me. That's not what's going to create the abundant life. It's what I'm able to connect to myself. The Father's intention is that you bear the fruit of union with Him. And I don't think that we can have uh, communication. We can't be in union if we can't communicate. We cannot enter into that oneness. We cannot, we cannot enjoy uh, the abundant life if we don't communicate. Communication is a, is a, is a two-way street. There has to be one that speaks and one that listens. If all you're doing is speaking and you don't think anybody's listening or all you're doing is listening, you don't think he's speaking, there's no communication. Now I found this. You check this out in your own life. Check, check this out. I have found that those who think, and they, it's, a, it's a mental problem, it's a soulish problem, those that think they don't hear the Father are not confident at all that the Father hears them. See, communication's two-way street. So if you think you don't hear Him, there's a good chance from my experience, what, I, what I've observed is that you are in a position where you're not sure the Father hears you. So, but that's a, another teaching for, for another day. The Father's intention, I'm driving it home this morning, the Father's intention is that you bear fruit and that your connection, your union, your Christ consciousness will be evident in what you're producing, the life that you desire. That's the fruit. The abundant life, that's the fruit. Um, You need to be directed for yourself so that you can bear fruit. You need, you need to get the direction for yourself. Now hang on, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. I'll make it very simple, very simple. But let's, let's read that, that scripture that Paul talks about fruit over in Galatians uh, chapter 5. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. I, I just want to hit real quick that scripture that Paul talks about fruit. Are, are, you, are you with me? Are you willing to say, I'm going to make responsibility for myself. I'm taking responsibility. My choices, my decisions create my life. And I know that if I hear the voice of the Father, I can make good choices. All right, now here's what he says about fruit. Galatians chapter five, 
Let me, let me read verses 16 to 23, right? Verses 16 to 23. He said, I say, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you would not do the things that you want to do or the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. This is quite a list. Hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I tell you in the past, that those who practice such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about the abundant life. The kingdom of God is here. It's now. It's within you. But you cannot experience it through the works of the flesh. So what are we, what are we after? Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So what do we, what do we got here? The fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is actually the character of the Father. The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the kind of, those are all character traits of the Father. The character traits of the Father are the fruits that will be produced in your life which create the abundant life. The abundant life consists of the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long-suffering. That's what brings the fulfillment. Notice he says the works of the flesh. He doesn't call it fruit of the flesh. It's, it's, it's not fruit, but it's what, the, it's what the flesh produces out of, out of a flesh, carnal-minded life that's been driven by those impulses, by the flesh, the senses, the five senses. He says in verse 16, if you walk in the Spirit, and in verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, then you will, verse 19, produce the fruit of the Spirit. So what we want to do is to get our life in a place where we're walking in the Spirit, we're being led by the Spirit, so that we produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is the evidence of a Christ consciousness. It's the evidence of choices that are made from a, a mind that... Um, is operating out of the mind of Christ that has been fed thoughts by the voice of the Father. So it, this union is going to be affirmed by you hearing the Father for yourself. And as you hear him for yourself, you're able to walk in the Spirit, you're able to be led by the Spirit, and you're going to produce the fruit of this abundant life that you desire. This life belongs to you. It is your right. You have every right to the abundant life. You have every right to hear the Father for yourself as a son of God that's manifesting. The fruit should be the most fulfilling, joyful. It should produce the most successful life that you could ever imagine. The abundant life that Jesus came to give us is a life that is beyond expectation. It's exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. Jesus told us in, in John chapter 15 and verse 11, he said, he said, my joy I give to you. He said, I want my joy fulfilled in you. He said, I want the life that I came to give you. I want it to manifest within you. Now notice with the fruit of the Spirit, verse 23. He lists out nine fruits of the Spirit. And he says, against these fruits, there is no law. Do you know what a law does? A law stops you. A law hinders you. A law tells you borders. A law tells you parameters. A law gives you a, a, a circle that you can operate in, but you can't get outside of it. A law tells you when you're right. A law tells you when you're wrong. A law tells you when you missed it. And so back back in our time when we before we understood, our eyes were opened. We were awakened to some things. It was it was that wolf in sheep's clothing that was very convincing that told us that we had missed God, that we could not hear God for ourselves, and that you're taking this, this grace thing, you're taking all this abundant life thing, you're taking it too extreme. You need to get back, you need to get back where, 
where you can get covered. In other words, you need to come back under the law. You need to come back under some constraints. You need to listen to authority. See, the fruit of the Spirit, there is none of that. The fruit, and I just need to say a word, I guess, about the, the wolf in sheep's clothing. I, God bless those guys. A lot, Most of them don't know they're operating that way. They don't know they've been so programmed and so schooled in seminary and Bible school. They've, they've, they've just been brought up. They don't, they don't really realize they're keeping your life restricted. But thank God he has freed you from all of that. As a son, you are absolutely positioned to hear for yourself from the Father as much as the first son did. I don't think any of us can doubt that Jesus heard the Father for himself. He's the prototype. He's the first son. So as the first son could hear the Father for himself, and he never, he did not miss the will of God. He walked in the fullness of the life that God had for him in the same dimension, the same way you as a son of God have every right to hear the Father for yourself. All right? Now, I'm going to make a little shift here. Can you just, I've laid all this down. Good tree, good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. Good tree comes from being connected to the rivers of water, Psalm 1. You produce your, your success in all that you do. Your leaf doesn't wither. Everything flows along good. So let me make a little shift here to make sure that you know this morning that nothing stands in your way. There's no blockages in your life to being led of the Spirit, to walking in the Spirit, and producing the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so I'm, I'm going to make a little shift here. This is, this is why you have every right to hear. Are you ready? All right, I'm going to start unpacking this for you. And so the next 15, 20 minutes, this could well change your life forever. I'm going to show you why you have the right to hear and how you do hear. Let's come to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And Father, help me to break this down well so that everybody gets it. Hebrews chapter 10, let me read verses 1 to 4 and verses 9 and 10. Verse 1 says this, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. In other words, in the Old Covenant, every sacrifice they made every year was for the year, but it never brought them to maturity. Verse 2, For then they would not have cleansed, ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a consciousness of sin, of missing the mark, that holds us back many times from hearing. Now just stay with me. Stay with me. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Right. Verse 9. Verse 9. But Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that we shall have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What the sacrifice of Jesus did once for all is what the sacrifice of the blood of bulls and goats could never do. It, it did not cleanse you permanently of a sin consciousness. The sacrifice of Jesus cleansed us from a sin consciousness under the old covenant you were not able to walk in the Spirit. Under the Old Covenant, you were not able to be led by the Spirit because of this continual sin consciousness. So every year, when the, when the year rolled around, every year the priests would go in and make a sacrifice for sin. They, and that would cleanse you then you, for the year. But you'd still have remembrance of all the sin, all that had Take, had taken place. There was a continual reminder of sin. Now, what, what's the problem with that? Where there is a reminder of sin, there is a reminder of separation. Anytime you are conscious of sin, you're conscious of separation. So we, we read where, the, where Jesus came and through, 
the offering of himself once for all, his blood, he did away with that sin consciousness. All right? So you, you can't hear if there's obstacles. And so the, under the old, there was never a removal of the obstacles. Therefore, people could not hear. So whenever we have a consciousness of sin today, we, we, whenever we're conscious of, we feel like, man, I've missed the mark. I really screwed up this time. We, we, don't, we feel separated from God. Whenever we have a wrong identity, whenever we think that we are what people tell us or we look at our behavior and we think that's us, it separates us. And, and, and we're going to keep trying to make a sacrifice for sin. Now today we don't, we don't uh, offer bulls and goats. But what our sacrifice for sin is that we continually confess our sins. We're always confessing, always confessing, always confessing. And that continual confessing is because we have a remembrance, we have a sin consciousness. And as a result, we're under guilt, we're under condemnation. And that creates separation. And you will never hear the Father if you're separated. And maybe the, the biggest hindrance today to walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, producing the life that is the abundant life that Jesus has for us, is the mingling of law and grace, right? The grace is the carrot. The grace is the carrot, but along comes the law that is the stick that makes you understand and realize that you are not righteous, that you are not perfect, that you are not what God would have. You need to, you need to keep confessing your sins. You need to come down to the altar and bawl and squall and tell God you're sorry and that you'll never do it again. But God has grace if you do that. See, so it's, it's, it's such a contradictory message and it's, it's created uh, all kinds of problems within the body of Christ and that is the, the major message today that really is creating havoc. There's very few pure grace teachers that have totally extracted all of the law, all of the hoop jumping out of the message. So we read in verse 9. Let me read this again because this is so important. See, the, the, the system is bent on keeping you under restriction. The system is bent on keeping you in condemnation and guilt so that you'll come back every week to try to learn to live a life that is free from guilt and condemnation. When this ninth verse tells us that Jesus took care of it once and for all. Let me read that ninth verse again out of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9. Wherefore he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. So he takes away that old covenant of animal sacrifice, the covering of sin. Did not eradicate it. Did not take it away. The blood of Jesus eradicates sin. When he died on the cross, remembrance of sin from the Father is gone. Therefore, remembrance of sin for you should also be gone. And he says in that verse, in that 10th verse, by, by that will he have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. While the bulls and goats did it for a year, Jesus did it permanently. Jesus took care of it once and for all. all right, so now let's come back one chapter. I'm just, I'm, I'm just about going to drop the bomb on you in just a minute. I just want you to see that Jesus took care of this sin problem. Jesus took care of these obstacles. Jesus took care of the blockages that hinder so many of us from hearing the Father or thinking that we don't hear the Father because of a consciousness that we've missed the mark. Consciousness of separation. Uh, a consciousness that... Who am I? I mean, the, the pastor, the prophet, the, the apostle, they're the ones that live this exalted you know, life that they come and tell us. No, 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 no. As a son, you have every right. As a daughter, you have every right to hear the Father for yourself. And this is why many people aren't living an abundant life. They, don't, they think they don't hear for themselves. And as a result, the choices that they make are not inspired by the mind of Christ that directs them in all things. All right, let me just go back to chapter 9, verse 8. Chapter 9, verse 8. Man, this is going to get good. Don't, don't, don't leave me now, baby. This is going to get good. Chapter 9, verse 8. The Holy Spirit indicating this, 
that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. What, what's, he, what's he saying here? Well, let, let me read on just a little bit more. Let me read verses 11 to 14. What, what he's saying in that, what he's saying in that verse is, while the first tabernacle was standing, people could not go in for a face-to-face. The only one that went in for a face-to-face one time a year was the high priest. He went in, and if there was any sin in his life, he was killed. Matter of fact, they tied a rope around his ankle so that if he died, they could at least pull him up because they could not go in. See, the Holy of Holies is where the face-to-face took place. And as long as that first tabernacle was standing, we could not have the face-to-face. We could not have open communication with the Father. All right? Now, let's, let's get down to verse 11. Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained for us eternal redemption. Verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, watch, listen, it should cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Oh boy, this is going to get good. So he did away with the first tabernacle. He established the new tabernacle, which is us. I think one of the, one of the greatest revelations of Paul was when he said, you are the temple of God. In other words, God lives within you. Under the old, the, the, the high priest was the only one going to have a face-to-face. Now, that has been done away with. 70 AD was totally destroyed. Animal sacrifice done away with. It'll never be restored. I don't care what they're telling you. I don't care what John Hagee telling you that they're looking for the ashes of the heifer and you know the, the Ark of the Covenant. Hogwash. Not going to find it. It's not going to happen. It was done away once forever. You are now the temple. God lives within you. That's a tremendous revelation that Paul had. So, because he lives within you, now you have the right to the face-to-face. He created the new tabernacle, which is us. And in verse 12, he says that one sacrifice obtained for us eternal redemption. Not a yearly happening. It once, once for all. Once it was totally done. Bulls and goats were were believed to sanctify and purify the flesh, but it was a one-time happening. Now watch what he says. I'm going to read that 14th verse again. Let me read that 14th verse because this is, this is going to spring you free. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience, cleanse your conscience from dead works. What are the dead works? We just read what they were over in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. All the works of the flesh are dead works. They're the things that have entered in. The lying, the lasciviousness, the, you know, all of, all, of the, all of those things that he read out. And I probably should go back there and read them all again, but you can read them on your own time. All those things he cleansed out of us. And he purified your conscience. There's no sin in your conscience. Those works of the flesh do not affect your conscience. They may affect your mind, but not your conscience. Now just stay with me. The word for conscience, the Greek word for conscience, is the word sunadesis. Sunadesis. And it means a spiritual conscience. A, spiritual consciousness that is the result of being created in God's image. In other words, your conscience is part of what God created in his image. So under the old, they were struggling all the time to get that conscience clean. It never worked. Bulls and goats couldn't do it. Jesus came in and cleaned your conscience. Your conscience is purged of all those things of Galatians chapter 5, verses 19, 20, 21. 
All those things, your conscience is purged up. They do not have an effect on your conscience. Your conscience is not subject to those things. It gives them no place. Your conscience gives them absolutely no voice. It gives them no standing. Your conscience, listen to me, listen to me. Your conscience is free. It's clean. It's, it's cleansed. It's, it's purified. Jesus went in and through one sacrifice made sure that your conscience is totally free and clean. Christ cleansed it. There's no blocks in your conscience. Just as a side note, Paul said in Acts chapter 4, verse 16, he said, I always try to make sure that my conscience is cleared toward God and man. Right? He made sure that his conscience, he made sure that he'd catch himself. If something tried to create a block in his conscience, he automatically put it out. Now listen to me. That conscience, I, I just want to keep saying this till I feel like you have it. There's no sin in your conscience, no remembrance of sin in your conscience. It, your conscience is not your mind. Your conscience is not your soul. Your conscience is not your head. Your conscience is that, is that spiritual connectedness that is created in the image of God. So that clean, cleansed, sin-can't-touch-it conscience becomes the voice of God in your life. Your conscience is where moral and spiritual awareness come together. Your conscience, because Jesus has cleansed it, Jesus has purified it. There is no sin that can touch your conscience. There's nothing that can come in and block your conscience. It can block your mind, but it cannot block your conscience since it's purged and cleansed. It will lead you by the Spirit. Your conscience will enable you to walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, we read it over a little while ago in Romans, when you walk by the Spirit, when you're led by the Spirit, you produce the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to make yourself fully aware of the voice of your conscience. It is the, it is the channel through which the voice of God speaks. Let me read that 14th verse again. You've got to get this 14th verse down tight. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When you serve the living God, I'm going to tell you something. The abundant life belongs to you. It is yours. You serve and live for the living God through your conscience. Now I want you to think about your conscience. Your conscience does not, does not demand. Have you noticed that? Your conscience does not force you. Your conscience draws you. It pulls you toward the right thing. Your conscience feeds from the tree of life. Your conscience is not directed by right or wrong. Your conscience is not directed by public opinion. It's not, it's not, it doesn't vacillate by cultural norms. Your conscience is directed by the voice of the Father. Did you, did you ever hear anybody say, let me, let me give real practical. Did you ever hear anybody say, my conscience told me to rob the bank? Never will. Did you ever hear anybody say, my conscience told me to treat people bad? you ever anybody say, my conscience told me to hold unforgiveness in my heart? Did you ever hear anybody say, my conscience told me to run off with the neighbor's wife, neighbor's husband? Absolutely not. Why? Because, because your conscience is a guide that is directed by the voice of the Father. Now, I have heard people say, my conscience told me not to go the way of the crowd. My conscience told me that I should not follow public opinion on that. What, what is the voice of conscience? Your conscience has been purged, it's been cleansed, and it will never direct you to do the works of the flesh. Your conscience will never tell you to lie, steal, lie, steal uh, treat people bad, hold unforgiveness, commit adultery. Your conscience will never tell you to do that. 
How do you hear the Father? How do you walk in the Spirit? How are you led by the Spirit? How do you produce the fruit of the Spirit? You listen to your conscience that has been fully, absolutely purged by the blood of Jesus. It holds no more consciousness of sins. It holds no more remembrance of sin. If you're battling a remembrance of sin, it does not come out of your conscience. You hear the voice of the Father clearly through the purged, cleansed, for all time consciousness that is within you. Your conscience is his voice. Let me show you how strong it is. Let me show you how strong it is, even in people that are not awakened. Let me read a little story in the life of Jesus. John chapter 8. I'm going to start, I'm going to start shutting this down in just a minute. But let me just read this for you. We're, we're talking about living the best life possible now. And the best life possible now comes out of choices that you make, taking responsibility for your life, saying, you know what, the life that I'm living now is, is a result of the decisions I made, choices I make. Maybe other people made them for me. It's time that I take responsibility for my own choices. And the choice and the decisions I make, I want to come from the mind of Christ that hears the voice of the Father for myself. It is my right to hear that. Watch how strong conscience is. Uh, John chapter 8, and let me just read verses 4 to 11. It's the story of the woman caught in adultery. I want you to see one point here. John chapter 8, verse 4. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses says the law commanded us that we should stone her, but what do you say? This they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with the finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. What's Jesus going after here? He's going after their conscience. The, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of law, said stone her. She deserves to be stoned. She doesn't deserve to live any longer. That's what the law said. That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil said. Jesus skirted right around that, and he went right to the heart of the matter. Now, these were guys that kept the law. These were guys that believed in the law. Then those who heard it, watch, being convicted by their conscience. How could these guys be convicted in their conscience? When they were men that followed the law, they fed from the tree of the knowledge good and evil. And yet within them, there was a, there was a spiritual compass. There was a, there was a voice of the Father that convicted them, that convinced them. Not only did it just convict them, it convinced them from a higher place, a higher dimension, a higher level that they, what they were fixing to do was not right. They could not follow through with it. Their conscience convicted them. See, your conscience will direct you to do the right thing. And these men that, that were under the law, their conscience would not allow them to do what the law said they should do. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree of law. So there's no law there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is against the fruit of the Spirit that comes when you hear the voice of the Father yourself through your conscience. Your conscience will always direct you towards producing the love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, the long-suffering, the meekness, the mildness, all nine fruits of the Spirit, which is the character of the Father. That will be produced in the life of one that is led by the Spirit, that walks in the Spirit. You will produce that, and it will be produced as you hear the voice of the Father, as you hear the direction of your conscience. Your conscience that is pure and clean can only pull from the life of God in whose image you are. Your conscience can only be fed by the mind of Christ. So your day of wondering, what do I do? Where do I go? How, how, what kind of decision do I make? That day is over because you now know how to hear the voice of the Father. As many as are led by the Spirit, as many as walk in the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Your conscience is here. 
This is where the spirit lives. This is where the kingdom is. This is where the one who resides in the temple sits on the throne. Right here. See, your soul comes from up here. And, and your soul is what demands. Your mind is what demands. It pushes you. It argues with you. It rationalizes with you. Your conscience never does that. Conscience doesn't argue. Conscience doesn't rationalize. Conscience doesn't demand. Conscience just says, even if it's opposed by public opinion. See, when I, when I started teaching this message, public opinion was strong against what I was doing. But I knew that I knew in my conscience. I call it my knower. My conscience is my knower. I knew that what I was doing was right. There are things that I'm teaching today that people are, are, are bucking. They're coming up against. I know it's right, but it's my conscience. If you haven't heard that in your conscience and you need to follow along something else, see, I'm not telling everybody you have to do what I do. Get quiet. Listen to the voice of the Father through your conscience that is free of pollution. Your conscience free of sin. Free of sin consciousness. And you will, I guarantee you, walk in the Spirit. You will be led by the Spirit. You'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. Your best life is now, guys. Ladies, your best life is now. And it's a product of the choices and decisions that you make that come from the voice of the Father that you have the right to hear. And from this day forward, you will hear the voice of the Father, a.k.a. your conscience. All right, that's it for today. I'm 51 minutes, 28 seconds in. I, I'm six minutes over what I try to do. I try to go 45 minutes, but I had to get this out today. And I feel I feel relieved in my spirit. My bur The burden is released. I feel like I got this message across today that from this day forward, you don't have to go by what the prophet says, the pastor says, anybody else says. You hear God directly for yourself. You can make choices that will produce the life that you desire to live as you walk in the spirit and are led in the spirit and produce the fruit of the spirit. God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you for your support, your help. Uh, see you Wednesday night at The Secret Place 7 over on the Don Keithley ministry page. Don't forget to hit the like and the subscribe, which will signal you every time we come on with a new teaching. See you next time at the Digital Cathedral.